0: So Genesis 15, starting to read at verse one. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up to the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age." In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Cainites, Gergashites, and Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well done, Steph. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us in every situation of life, whether we feel it or we don't. It's just about trusting and obeying and understanding you are sovereign. Everything works for your purposes and for your glory. And we thank you, Lord, that in the Old Testament, Jesus is revealed. Help us to understand what the Old Testament was saying about your son in the future, your son who came and died for us so we might be free from our sin through that amazing relationship with you. Amen. Here in chapter 15, we hear again fundamental news, which helps us understand the New Testament. It points us to the promise of eternal life, a place in heaven Through the work of Jesus on the cross. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 to 3, lets us know that there is a promise to be given. Genesis 15, verse 1 starts after this. Well, after what? Let's find out. Chapter 14 basically, Abraham was rescuing Lot. Abraham was rescuing Lot. And he had to fight kings. I'm keeping this very brief. And basically, he actually was told um, by the Lord to not be afraid, afraid, for I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. What this is referring to is what occurred in, in Genesis 15. In summary, Abraham worked hard to save Lot from being carried off into captivity. Because Abraham defeated four Eastern Kings, all of the stolen goods, including Lot, would now legally belong to Abram. But King Solomon managed through some sly way to take his right away. Abraham could have used the law to get the riches back, but he knew he had something more valuable than the law on his side. He had the promises of God. So Abraham gave up his rights to the riches and returned them to the king. So nobody could see in the future what had made him rich would help him in the future. Abraham wanted God alone to get all the glory. And if, when he received the promises of God, they could be put wholly down to him. So in Genesis 15, verse 1, God is saying, Abraham, I saw what you did. I am pleased. I know that that was difficult decision, but it was the right decision. Though your wife might think you did something foolish risking your life and not getting the payment back for it, I saw what you did and I am pleased. Making a decision to trust God is not easy. Following God and trusting him alone Following God, where does He want you to go? Doing what He wants, rather than doing what you want. Giving up part of your right, so you can do what is right. It's not easy. In fact, it's terrifying. Often you're made foolish, or rather, what the world calls being foolish. Noah, you're going to build an ark for me. An ark for me. Huh? Joshua, march around Jericho and and, and and build the kingdom by marching around rather than fight. Peter, leave your fishing and wander around the countryside. I don't know how you're going to eat, but do it. Now let's add your name. You must tell your best friend about your love for Jesus. Perhaps God's saying, will you build my kingdom somewhere? Let's stand in Jarrow Town Centre. Will you visit the country for the sake of my work? Or will you trust me when I can put things right and yet everything around you is collapsing? You see, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And he uses the weak things of the world To shame those that are strong. The song said it before. For Abraham, it would have been hard to give up his right and it would have been difficult to surrender all his possessions. But God said, Do not be afraid. Why? For I am your shield. In John chapter 14, Jesus gives the same hard teaching to his disciples Do not be afraid. Let your hearts not be troubled. Does that sound easy to anyone? Don't be afraid. Let your hearts not be troubled. Everything okay now? don't know why. Well, let's say that now in a different context. Do not be afraid. Let your hearts not be troubled. Let's add. Why? Because Jesus is your shield. God is for you, not against you. And basically, this Jesus, when you accept him, will give you a place in eternity where all your troubles have gone. Will let you know what his Father is like as you read his book. And that shows true love, true acceptance in whatever you've done now and the future. I hear and I answer your prayer, Jesus says. There's a relationship there. I can't remember the runner, I tried to search it on the way here, who stumbled, and then someone came and just gave him the last boost, and all the crowd was cheering. Well, he still had a sore foot, didn't heal, but Jesus actually held him. Uh, Sorry, this is what Jesus does to us, but in the runner, I don't think Jesus came there, but actually the helper came and actually pushed him along so he could get past the finish line. And you have a comforter with you. For those who haven't come on Alpha, it's the Holy Spirit. For those who are Christian, smile. Because the Holy Spirit is amazing. He'll teach you, He'll rebuke you, He'll give you peace. That's why you should not be troubled. So, this is what Jesus told the, the troubled disciples. And this is what God said to Abraham I am your shield. Note the second part of the verse, though. I am your exceedingly great reward. The only other thing that's exceedingly great is Mr. Kipman's cake. But that goes nowhere near. God hasn't just said it's a reward. It's an exceedingly great reward. How we belong to him, not him to us. Yes, God will work on our behalf protect, provide, but it actually means it is what about Abraham and us are truly seeking. Abraham's wants and needs, you can seek with effort, belief, and trust, and then God is the missing piece to make your life complete. In the same way for us, we seek, we trust, we believe, we have a relationship with Jesus, our exceedingly great reward. And we get our eternal home, our bridge to talk to a loving God. Now, in Genesis 15, verse 2, it shows, actually, that Abraham is the same of us as us. He gets that great promise, everything. But then what does he say? He says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is, I'm not even going to be like Steph, that person. You see, God's given him everything that his actual body needs. But now he's worried about those things again. He's asking for the, quite a the significant thing to him because if he didn't get an heir, then all his possessions would go to his slave. But what he was saying is basically... I know you've given us all this, but I don't think I accept it as being everything I need. And yet Jesus said, in all, in me, all your needs will be met. Jesus, God sent Jesus to reveal his likeness. And open the gates to our heavenly home. But what about our needs? We need bread. It says in John, Jesus is, I am the bread of life. We need light and wisdom. It says in John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We pray for understanding of God. Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. We pray for health, healing, and life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. We pray for truth and the way. God says, Jesus says, I am the way, truth, and life. And we pray for our lives to be fruitful and effective. everything we do and Jesus says I am the true vine he who abides in me will produce fruit Jesus is our possession we are in him he is in us everything we need is in him alone that's where the peace comes from we want something from God. But God God actually wants us to acknowledge him with our worries. But we can be sustained by the truth of the love and the hope for eternity. So all in all, tough times, what direction? How will the bill be paid? I've got health problems, family crises. Our minds are so earthly focused. It's hard to understand just how, by loving Christ, enjoying his presence and by actually having a relationship with Jesus we can be content joyful peaceful and happy but more than that God does grant us those things that I've just talked about as an extra loving God so fix your eyes on Jesus in our eternal home and if you haven't experienced that just talk to someone in the room and they might be able to say well I've experienced that. So this shows to us that I'm glad to see prayer's focus should be focused on Christ and what he's actually done for us rather than sometimes the rocky time. When you actually are reminded that Jesus never leaves you, then actually your situation will change. Jesus never leaves you. Let Jesus be relied upon. Let your faith grow your assurance of heaven. The answer is not in the gift, but in him. God gives Abraham and shows actually Jesus to us through Abraham. But note God's answer to Abraham. He's full of compassion, tender and loving. In verse four and five, he says that he has not forgotten his promise and that will happen. A promise believed, verses four to six. In verse three, Abraham expressed that he had no sons, so it would be a slave that would be his heir. His possessions would be go to his chief slave. In verse five, God states that Abraham's descendants will be like the number of stars in heaven. In verse five, there's a promise that Abraham's descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Abraham had descendants according to the blood who and we who are the Jews. But he also has the spiritual descendants who according to us, to Scripture are us who are in faith. So in Genesis 15, verse 6, he believed in the Lord and then he was accounted righteous. The verse... Is that the promise Abraham was declared righteous by God simply because he believed God? He stepped out in faith and was right with God because he believed in him. Do you believe that a person, that a Christian, is one because of what they look like? I hope not. Or perhaps the way they talk, or perhaps the way they act. Just because the person quotes scripture, attends church, tithes, raises hands when singing, attends a Bible study, prays for an hour, does good deeds, runs a food bank, that's just what I sat and thought about, and also can see every scripture, does not necessarily mean they're a Christian. What's the world going to say, what do you mean? Well, we're not saved by works, or by efforts, or by all that, for all they are good things, and they actually give us a better relationship with the loving God and show it. We're saved by grace. And faith alone in Christ alone gives us that. Romans 4 and Galatians 3 says, Abraham believed because of his faith, and so are we. In John 8, verse 56, Jesus says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it was glad. Bob Bryant, who I Googled on the internet, said, 2,000 years before Jesus came, Abraham looked ahead in time and believed the coming of Christ for eternal life. How are we saved? Through believing that our Messiah died on the cross. So there's been a promise given. Finally, we've got a promise believed. In verse seven, God promises to give Abraham of the country. This has been promised actually to Abraham three times. Chapter 12, verse seven, 13, 15 to 17. It's nice to be reminded of God's promises. But one thing in the Bible we can note, that if God promises and says something a few times, it's pretty important. So God has repeated this three times, so it's extremely important. So he said to him, God said, bring me three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove and a young pigeon, Abraham knew what was happening. In that day, when you wanted to make a treaty or an oath, you would gather the animals listed, cut them in two, put them on either side, and then you would walk through the animals together. By doing this, you are saying that if either of you went back on that oath, then you would become like these animals. So next time you buy a house, just go this was a binding agreement it was a covenant it was deadly serious if Abraham was living today of course what would he do would he get a lawyer and cut them in two no he wouldn't he wouldn't he'd get a lawyer he'd get a permanent pen two witnesses have a document signed and it would be actually stamped and put in a safe. Does that make more sense than having animals cut? So Abraham knew there there was a covenant, and this was going to happen. So Abraham was faithful and brought all the animals together, cut them in two, put them in the middle. You're glad, yeah? I haven't got an illustration, aren't you? Cut the birds and cut everything, but did not cut the birds in two. Abraham then waited, and waited. Well, why do we know he waited and waited? So we read verse 11 together? Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. It was fresh meat when it started. So Abraham waited a long time. I don't like interesting facts, I'm sorry. So I tried to Google how long it would take for this to happen. You're going to like this or you not. Vultures smell the gases of a carcass 24 hours after they've been killed. Vultures in the Middle East never eat a fresh carcass because their beaks are soft. But if you... <laughs> so it would have been probably several hours For this to happen so I wasn't there but can you imagine Abraham he's got everything ready he's twiddling his thumbs no God he's checked his watch he didn't have one but he checked it no God he stood up he sat down where's God has God stood him up has he lied has he not even thought about coming back well he waited patiently well Luke eight, thirteen 13 talks about birds in a like interfering with God's work they pecked the seeds that did go in the ground so they went away the seeds that won barren land lifting good seeds up Do you think we ever have vultures as Christians nearby? Abraham trusted in God, but when things went a bit rocky, he started wondering what was happened. It's happened to me, it will happen to you. God tells us to do something. Nothing happens. We wait, we watch, we twiddle our thumbs. Doubt creeps in. Did I misunderstand? Have I angered God? Does he care? Well, please watch out for those vultures, because when God promises something, He delivers it. So how do you stay calm and have that peace that's beyond understanding? Well, actually, you learn through the scriptures and through people and other Christians. So you know enough about God and enough about his faithfulness to his promises. So actually, you know, in every situation, he will work his glory. To Timothy Chapter 1 verse 12 says, I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him on that day. I know him, so therefore I can give him something and be at rest that he's going to work. So many will try to snatch away the promises you have in Jesus. God has not given Abraham's descendants the promised land yet in israel the birds of prey may have landed but one day god will fulfill his promises so in verse 12 i'll put it funky god shows up when the sun was going down a deep sleep though fell upon Abraham, and behold horror and great darkness fell upon him the way abraham has prepared the animals God causes Abraham to fall into a deep sleep what is God about to do what he's going to do the next bit by himself without out the help of Abraham the horror Abraham goes through reminds us of the horror as Christ hung on the cross the sky was dark the sin of the world was on his shoulders he who knew no sin became sin for us the horror of sin fell on Christ we are used to the feeling of sin we were born with it I was born with it but Christ never felt it or experienced it the rot the decay it causes it, you remember he just cry, cry, cry out my God my God why have you forsaken me So Jesus was in darkness, separated from the Father. Abraham was fell into a sleep with a dark feeling on him. But the covenant was not yet signed. So God will do his rescue plan when the time is right. Then God said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be be strangers in a land that is not theirs and all sorts of things will afflict them for 400 years. And all the nations who I serve will be judged. Afterwards, they will come out with great possessions. This is about the future. The promised land will not be given in Abraham's time, but then the nations will be judged now. The land is becoming more wicked year upon year, full of idolatry. They ignore God at that time. They were involved in frying babies, orgies, and worship. They were polluting their own world. They were actually killing themselves. It was not an innocent nation, but a sinful, wicked nation. But God had not yet ratified a covenant. So in verse 19, it came to pass. When the sun went down, it was dark, dark. Behold, and appearing a smoking over a burning torch between those passes. The smoking oven and burning torch, some writers say, symbolizes God passing between the covenant. But he's alone, he hasn't got Abraham with him. Normally, two passes go through to say that they're both responsible for the covenant. And to keep order, if one fails, they're the one to blame. But God walks alone. So what does this show? This actually affirms that Abraham, us, have absolutely nothing to do with that covenant, apart from accept Jesus. God alone will keep his promise God takes a responsibility, no matter what we do. Our salvation, where when heaven seems so far away, is guaranteed if we obey in the cross. God paid the penalty. It cannot be broken. He's made a covenant. There's no way where it says God's a liar. He actually does not ask anything of us except believe in his son. Take away the doubt. It's not about trying harder. It's not about how big your sin is if you feel Jesus cannot cope. We aren't the promise keepers. He is. He keeps it faithful and keeps it fully. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Everybody can feel that sometime. No labor, no hard work. Just come with open arms and believe. Then just wait upon the Lord. Trust and anything that you ask for according to his will. He will remove the darkness, the terror, and give you that peace. You don't even have to meet God halfway. Let him do all the work for you. Amen. Thank you, Lord, um, and I hope in in my weakness things were clear. I pray, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit now will fill in the gaps, so we can realize that big assurance of Jesus, that fact it's not what we do. And only Father, when everything's hitting us, help us to learn to trust and obey but no lord our eternal home is with us and jesus is there because he loves us amen